The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Hello and welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Will Brinson and Katie Mox here and welcome back to our All 32 series. The series where we catch you up with insiders and give you the need to know information on every NFL team. Today we are talking Los Angeles Rams with LA Rams beat writer for The Athletic and co-host of the 11 Personnel Pod and The Play Callers, Evolution of NFL's Most Popular Offense, Jordan Rodriguez. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us today. We are pumped have you i'm so excited to be here thank you for making me sound really cool just now i appreciate yeah. that yeah, yeah your <laughs> resume way, way you cooler know, than i feel yeah yeah your resume your resume you know you a lot of times you think you're like yeah like you know, your resume is pretty good pretty strong <laughs> resume yeah. um and uh so play callers we were talking about this a little bit off the air but like i mean i'm pumped for this this is and, yes. and katie's katie's a 49ers fan when I showed it to her, she was like, well, is it really the Sean McVay tree, too? <laughs> um, the, that's, um, a that's a fair question. Actually. It, it, yeah, yeah, it is. So yeah. um, if I understand this correctly, and I'll let you fill in the details, but I want to add, you know, like Play Callers basically takes a look at innovation with offense. I love the quote from Robert Sala in the promo tweet they sent out where he's like, it's basically 32 offensive coordinators against every defensive coordinator everywhere, or, or 32, whatever it is. The, you know, but it's like these offensive coordinators, one, they're all from like the same family. Two, they have to constantly add new wrinkles in. And then three, it's like every single one of them is watching what explosive plays particularly work against certain defenses. And so these defensive coordinators are like, you might just you might face Kyle Shanahan's offense, but everybody else is watching what he did. I mean, then that's sort of the concept of it, right? And how this coaching tree is just, I mean, we, we did the 49ers podcast earlier. It's like, you start thinking about all the people from Kyle Shanahan's coaching tree that are like around the NFL. It is insane, Jordan. Yeah. So it's, it, you explained it really well. Thank you. Oh, cool. um, but <laughs> it could have gone either way, frankly. So <laughs> absolutely. I could have, I could have gone. But like, so this is a, this is about Matt LaFleur's rise in Green Bay. You're like, no, what? <laughs> so what, what the thesis of this is, is it's a five episode documentary series. It drops in full. So you can binge it on July 10th. Um, wherever you get your podcasts. And um, the thesis of it is if you think about the NFL's history as a series of tree rings, um, what I wanted to do was take a deep dive, sometimes like disastrous dive into this moment of the NFL and how it happened. Um, the rise of the most popular offense in the NFL sometimes um, has had great success, sometimes has failed catastrophically. But overall, uh, as we look at the teams that run elements of this system, the teams that run tenets of the system, core, core principles of this system, the most popular system in the NFL today, which was 
initially begun by Mike Shanahan and blending his West Coast Bill Walsh influences with Alex Gibbs and his outside zone run game, carried forward by Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, um, Matt LaFleur, and, and, and Mike McDaniel, among many, many others. Um, but those four specifically were with each other as this thing really started to build into its modern iteration. So they are the four main characters of this story. But yes, we also look at the ripple effect of what this is, right? Not only the the effect and sometimes the toll that it's taken on players, mm. but also mm. the ripple effect and sometimes the toll it has taken on defenses, even dynastic defenses that we've seen across time. And essentially, it's a story about people who make certain catalytic decisions that cause forks in the stream of the NFL's timeline. I'm very going very nature heavy, I know, with the metaphor. No, no, I like it. It's forks in the timeline and then all of the the tendrils that sort of come out of those decisions that each person makes and how systems clash against one another and really how evolution happens in this sport that we all love so much and are so passionate about. It's also functional clashing and sometimes dysfunctional clashing. Mm. Mm. Very, very competitive the entire way through, which I think is a fascinating layer to this as well. So this is basically like serial plus Avengers, like in-game plus... Like NFL Blitz is what yes. you're saying. Plus okay. like a walk in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, it is, it is, it is just so fascinating because it's like, I, I mean, I, th- you know, and like you mentioned the Mike Shanahan stuff. What's really interesting is so now I think I've got this correct. Let me make sure, make sure before I say this, but like, I mean, obviously I know that Gary Kubiak was Mike Shanahan's offensive coordinator. Well now one of Kyle Shanahan's co-offensive coordinators in San Francisco is Clint Kubiak, which yeah. is insane to think about the like the how that all came full circle but it only could occur because you have you know uh robert sala leaves for new york and takes uh uh, matt or mike lafleur with him and then you know D'Amico ryan's leaves for houston and takes bobby slowick with him mike mcdaniel has left for you know it's it's it and yet despite all this brain drain two two things remain constant the 49ers are good and all these guys were on the Washington coaching staff at one point in time. They all got fired. Imagine being Washington. Yeah, only Dan Snyder. And and I and really, it, we do a deep dive uh, in the first episode. So here's a little tease. You know, I yes. hope people stick with us through all five. Everyone, all of these themes are very featured and anecdotally. I, I see and, that you've actually cleared room on your shelf for a podcast award. Is that true or false? Oh God! <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to start shrinking in my chair again. It's like making me shrivel up in my chair. But no, it's um, we do, you know, I feel for Washington Commanders fans on the one hand, I do in terms of, yes, you've watched all of these people form their own identities and succeed. And yes, they were all at one one time in in one place. But through the course of the storytelling, I think it will become very clear why it was probably not the right moment for them to stay there. Right. Sean McVay obviously stayed there for a couple more years. It's probably that's probably the one that got away, quote unquote. The McVay one, yeah. Yeah. But but in terms of the Kyle way Shanahan was never staying in Washington. No. And so the way that and, and then but you also see that there's this, there's this urgency and this like um competitive, they can't help it. It just comes through yeah. every in every word that they say, they had to go form their own identities. And part of it was because mm. they all worked under Kyle Mike, Shanahan at one Kyle, point. Yeah. And and the, the 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 dynamics of those groups and those staffs, whether in Houston, by the way, because Houston's you know let's had some of these guys leave as well. Um, you know, whether it was in Houston or in Washington, there's this competitiveness, that urgency of like trying to get your own identity 
formed in certain ways, even as simple as I want to get one of my calls on Kyle's call sheet. And so it's wow. it's that type of push, right, that so permeates yeah. through the entire series as these guys begin to, again, form their own branches and streams and whatever, however you want to call it, like the, the way that they make their decisions. And it's basically covering football and deep schematic dives also, which we want people to feel like welcomed into and not sort of at arm's length from. Um, but, but covering that in a way that's also like deeply anthropological, because this is how football happens. This is how it works. I'm so interested in everything that you're saying. But one thing that stood out to me is you talk about how competitive it is between these coaches, these offensive masterminds and how that can, can take a toll on players. Well, the Niners lead the league in soft tissue damage, particularly at the beginning of the Mm. season. And we have seen players that have moved on that are almost surprised at, you know, training camps and preseason and other places because they're not worked as hard as a 49ers fan. I'm curious if this is something that you look into as well, because I am very curious as to why this keeps happening to the 49ers. It's part of a balance too. that. The conversation is, is super broad, not just in regards to the 49ers, but also in regards to the dynamic that first established itself early on, on those staffs, the mm-hmm. idea of, how do you create functional competition? Mm. Because they all have this very formative experience of when you have functional competition and it's, and it's not just inclusive to them. It was everybody on that staff. You know, Raheem Morris is great in this series talking about, you know, Kyle lurking in the back of defensive meetings, right. And then how they would go <laughs> and battle each other in different ways and, and test each other. And, and, and Robert Sala as well, you know, in, in Houston and like, So it's this idea of in your formative years, when all your best ideas are happening out of functional competition and all your innovation is happening out of functional competition, sometimes dysfunctional. We get into that too, but I'm not going (laughs) to give away too many spoilers, right? But when, when all of that, like all those synapses are firing out of this, this atmosphere and this environment, you as a human naturally say, okay, that works. How do we bring in that environment into my own building? And you've seen it in some of the hiring patterns, the way that Sean McVay went out and hired Brandon Staley and the Mm. epic clashes during practice schematically as as Brandon, you know, was running some of Vic Fangio, some of his own stuff. And and it was a perfect foil to what Sean McVay's offense was at the time. And it caused Sean McVay to want to change his entire offense around, Mm. including trading his quarterback. And then, you know, you're seeing this also happen with Robert Sala and Kyle Shanahan as as Kyle is is really. Um, sort of wanting to troubleshoot against the what he believes will be the most competitive defense in yeah. the league, you know, in his own house, away from everyone else. Sure. You can't get game tape on it. It's happening in his own house, right? And and troubleshooting against that and wanting to be challenged because that's where the ideas come forth. And then gravitating toward people who also want to rise to meet that challenge. You've seen these patterns happen with with a lot of these coaches, inclusive to and, and not limited to many other people in this coaching tree. You see this with Zach Taylor and Lou Amarana. Like you see all of these things happening. And but at the same time, like we talk about, there's a toll that that takes, not just, you know, on the coaches and and the drain and the 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 stress of existing in that space, that innovation loop constantly. Um, but also on the players, because the players are the ones who bring this to life, right? The players are the ones who there's this conversation thread through the entire series about, you know, what does it mean to exist within this offense? And what does it mean to exist within this philosophy alongside these coaches? And how, at what point do the coaches 
feel, you know, okay, seed, seed some of the control that they have as a play yeah. caller and empower your players. Well, Sean McVay's seen the best things that have ever happened to him in his coaching career have happened when his players have taken over. That yeah. last drive of the Super Bowl, that's Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and a great block by Bryson Hopkins. Can't forget that. Yeah. You know, and, and like that's, you know, that's and, and that's Andrew Whitworth. And that's and and even when they're building the offense in the first place in 17, you know, there's this great anecdote. And again, I don't want to spoil anything, but like the players helped them change mid-game of a game their entire run run game from, you know, pure outside zone, the way that Alex gives. Like, this isn't working. It. We can't. In game. That's and crazy. Sha- and That's Sean, awesome. And Sean is, is with them doing it, like saying, yeah, let's do it that way. So, and so, th- so it's like an inclusive, like empowered culture yes, versus yeah. like a bunch of yes men who are like, Sean, you're great. Let's do this. Well, it's like a total millennial culture, right? It's like a why culture, you know, like, why yeah. am I doing this? What am I, what is, what is my meaning? You know, it's all of that, right? Well, technically and, I'm a millennial too, just so you know, just, I think we're all You're, you're I, an elder. What do they call it? Not to, not to cut short, but I do, we, we do take a quick break and then uh, talk Rams because I can already hear my boss saying, uh, did, you know, you're gonna talk Rams. You're gonna, you know, <laughs> like I, like I'm excited for this podcast. And um, how long, how long is each episode? Um, so each episode is between 45 minutes to an hour. Okay, perfect. Uh, yeah. There's five. Again, they all drop on July 10th. And like I said, it does cover the really cool, fun football stuff we love, but also there's a the dark deep side schematic. to this too. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I'm excited. Well, <laughs> excited for it. Play callers, uh, the athletic football show. It's a great show anyway. Robert Mays, and, and of course, you guys all do a great job with it. Uh, so you should subscribe to that. Check it out July 10th. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, Sean McVay, innovation. Mm. May need some in 2023. Next. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Jordan, so Sean McVay, brilliant offensive mind, had never had a losing season until 2022. They win the Super Bowl in 2021, so it's like, whatever. You know, you take you take that nine, a billion times out of a billion. You win the Super Bowl, and then you have your first losing season. But now it's like the carousel for the media jobs is kind of in a weird spot. You know, he could have jumped to Amazon. I mean, he would still get his job, I guess, but it's like 
he's so competitive. I just have a hard time seeing him not wanting to come back and be like, no, 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 that was a fluke because of injuries and attrition and all that. Or like, like what has to happen for the, for the offense to work in 2023 for the Rams? Because Andrew Whitworth's departure, massive. And yeah. Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup being hurt, and then Odell Beckham was a big boon to them too. It's like it's, it feels like th- it feels like they're a long way from being that 2021 offense. They are, and they aren't. I mean, we have we still have yet to see whether they've actually like figured out how to run the ball. So that's yeah. still the same, right? <laughs> so, right. <laughs> um, but but I think they've you know they've seen they saw some really great stuff from Cam Akers down the stretch. I know fantasy football heads. That's the number one question I get yes. every single year. So maybe this is the year, guys. They just, um, they just need to put him on the trade block. In, in the middle of the season and have him like leak out that he wants to be traded and then nobody trades for him. And then he just goes off again, which is the weirdest like <laughs> plot twist last season. Yeah. It was a weird year, man. It was a weird year yeah. for a lot of people. Um, not the least for, for Sean McVay, but like you, but like you said, like that whole, um, you know, he went, he, what he went through last year as a person too, like, that's all very real. Um, we wrote about that in depth over at the athletic and it's compounded also by this, you know, okay, the crash happened way faster than anyone expected yeah. and nothing we thought would work is working. So now what do you do? And, and sort of that remodel, they're calling it a remodel, like rebuild on the fly, the defense very much being sort of the sacrificial lamb here where they overhauled everyone except for Aaron Donald, Ernest Jones, Jordan Fuller. Um, and then also, you know, on the offensive side, health to your question, health is obviously the most important thing. Yep. What's, what's interesting about what they've done is they've, they've um, quietly gone about overhauling parts of their offensive line and they've gotten bigger up there. Like they're just bulkier They're there. You, you can sense some changes maybe in some of the ph- philosophy yeah. with which they will run the ball. Um, and then also keeping Matthew Stafford off the ground, right? You know, he's, he's coming in saying he's feeling better than he has in forever. Um, he certainly looks the part in spring. Again, it's OTA, so caveat there. But, he, you know, it's a full workload, which he did not have at all last summer and last spring. And so keeping it that way, right, keeping him as functional as possible, because at his age with his injury history, it will always be a question. So mm-hmm. it's it's those types of things. The fundamentals of successful football is what the Rams are sort of <laughs> returning to here. And that that's not something they've really had to do in forever because they've been so top heavy and so successful at an all out sprint. Right. And it yeah. worked. And now they're sort of re- resetting and revisiting. And with Sean McVay, frankly, I think there's something invigorating about that, about yeah. like going back to pulling yeah. back from elements. I mean, and not to plug the series again, but you'll hear it like going back to elements of that first year where he, he, he flat out says, I didn't know what to worry about because I was so young. Yeah. Well, going kind of back to that mindset of, okay, bring back in some of those core fundamentals, that teaching mentality, he overhauled a lot of his coaching staff, you know, that's going to make or break the Rams success and whether they truly can rebuild as quickly as they think they're going to. I mean, if anybody can do it, it's probably Sean McVay, as much as I love to hate on and, him in this show. To be yeah. clear on this podcast, <laughs> You could be as aggressively promotional of your own yes. stuff as you want because <laughs> yeah. there's no one who's more promiscuous with their uh, with their with their promotion than yours truly. When I am out <laughs> on like other people's stuff, so by all means, fire away. Yes, fire away. I'm going to fire away about who I think is probably the scariest man uh, in football, and that's Aaron Donald. I don't know if you know Jordan, but Pete Prisco bumped Donald down in his top 100 rankings, but he did keep him in the top 10. Did you notice a decline in his play last year, or do you think it was simply just the Rams making sure that he was going to be 100% for this season? 
Um, I don't think Aaron Donald and decline like should exist in the yes. same sentence, to be <laughs> quite honest. Yeah. So, and I, it's, it's, it's interesting too, because he does so much with so little sometimes. I mean, they were really hurting um, be- from injuries on the defensive line, the interior as well. And, and also their, their top pass rusher, Leonard Floyd, he had a, a non-contact soft tissue injury at the beginning of camp. They thought he was going to be gone for the year, but he played through it. And so like, th- they're not rushing the passer effectively at all quarterbacks are killing them with the quick game and still here's Aaron Donald like making so much out of so little you sort of have to appreciate that it's almost like okay now you've seen what extra level he can pull from when there's so little around him and 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 when he's functioning at at his best and, and healthiest he's always been known as the player who's made everyone else around him better and I think that was what Maybe some people were, um, I guess maybe some people, not me personally, were concerned right. with um, last, which would be, you know, where is he kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but if you watch the tape, you see him. So <laughs> He's still a very, very bad man. Yeah, um, I think. And I think there's that sourness, too. I mean, everyone mm-hmm. always had the questions like, will he walk away? First of all, the contract is is crazy in terms of structurally. And he has a no trade clause, which I think people forget. Um, right. But also, um, you know, there's a sourness that comes with, you know, ending the seat. He's never missed significant time. He's never missed any time. Any time. He, he played through broken ribs in 2020 in Green Bay and frozen Green Bay. And so that's that's the thing is like you're not going to go out quietly <laughs> if you're Aaron Donald. You're not going out with a high ankle sprain if you're Aaron before, Donald. Before things. 2022, the, the single like – Pockmark on his entire resume was getting no votes. Oh no, no, he wasn't an all pro in his rookie season, even though he was the AP defensive rookie of the year. Like his resume was like almost perfect. Yeah. I mean, with like three defensive player of the years was top five, every single season of his career, first team, all pro pro bowl, like, except for that one little, like one first team, all pro his rookie year. And then last year, the Rams just fell apart. And I, I guess the, the, you know, Donald to me, like I know, I know why Pete did what he did. He did, I don't think he thinks he's slipping. That's why he left him in the top ten. But he he didn't want to be like he's number three after you know the season he had. <laughs> Do you think that there is enough there defensively? Like, did they retune it enough defensively? Like Jalen Ramsey gone. Yeah. You know they were so stars and scrubs heavy with Ramsey and Cup and Stafford and and Donald. Of course, it's like is, is there a, is there like can less need in the in this coaching staff in the front office and the administration like pull enough together enough magic to, to make a defense that will be, you know, uh, playoff contention worthy. This year, I think we can probably expect some bumps, right? Because yep. what you could say stars and scrubs or whatever, but like what the Rams did at a really high functioning level, of course, all the way up through their Super Bowl win was they would take, they would draft off of traits, right? So they had these core stars on their roster, Jalen Ramsey being one of them, obviously. And then Leonard Floyd was playing at a really high level too. Yeah. Um, Aaron Donald, obviously. And then they were had this emerging, really strong presence of inside linebacker and Ernest Jones, obviously Bobby Wagner last year. What they were really good at was was picking traits. If you have a plus three traits guy like a Jalen Ramsey, okay, let's find traits that complement the plus three traits. So then we can have a plus four or a plus five collectively, right? And that was sort of their formula. And so now that entire formula is changing, especially and and quite frankly, like exaggeratedly so on the defensive side. Um, because they are overhauling almost every position with basically three um, like core players, one in each phase, um, Aaron Donald, Ernest Jones, and Jordan Fuller coming back again, coming back from injury. And so 
that's concerning. So you're going to see some bumps along the way, I think, with this Rams defense, but also the 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 youthful energy and then the combination of the coaches that they brought in. They hope that they can develop them um, at a rate that's like you can see the learning curve happening, kind of like Seattle did with a lot of their young players sure. last year. I think the Rams really took note of that and said, OK, if we draft right with guys that we're not necessarily looking just for traits that complement certain players, but like overall, now we're changing our draft model a little bit. Um, and we're going to use draft picks. In, <laughs> yeah. 14, 14 draft. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> crazy third day of the draft for me, by the way. And then, <laughs> oh, yeah, no and then, and then, so if you can, if you can apply those, those fundamentals and those core, you know, teaching and development strengths that they historically had as a team before they went on this all out sprint to the Super Bowl, I think that they think that that's, you know, you accept that there'll be some bumps along the way, as long as you continue to see market improvement. And I think they're hoping that the offense gets back to scoring a lot of points and, and lifting the defense a little bit as well. Jordan, Vegas is very down on the Rams this year. They're over under set to six and a half, the under juice mm. to minus 120. They're a whopping plus 850 to win the division. But I got to say, I'm sold on what you are selling right now, Jordan, with Sean McVay <laughs> coming back to the basics, back to his boy wonder days. And I'm thinking, should we be a little bit more optimistic about this team and the number of superstars that they still possess? I don't know if I'm ready to be like optimistic. <laughs> I don't know if that's the word. <laughs> like, so here's the thing. Is Cautiously I, optimistic? I yeah. do think that, I do think genuinely that they think that they'll be better than maybe some of the external noise that's around them right now. Um, I gave them seven wins this year. I do mm. think that's still me being more optimistic than when I walk out to practice and I see 40 rookies. Um, <laughs> that's start, that's like yeah. shocking. Yeah. That's startling. Right. Yeah. And you're like, Whoa. Cause it's, it's also never happened there before. So in, in the McVay era. So I'm like, I temper that with like, Hey, the reality of this is it's going to be really, really tough to put wins together. But it also is a team that, you know, has made it very, very clear that that's what they want to try to do. Um, whether whether that manifests or not remains to be seen. But you got to appreciate the the optimism on their side, mm -hmm. right? I'm like, all right, okay. Are you, are you I'm, sure? I've been down like, and I'm, I feel inspired. Well, so I mean, like San Francisco, San Francisco is obviously a really good football team. But like, it's the opposite. Like, you know what the Rams have at quarterback. And as long as Matthew Stafford's healthy, like they're going to get good quarterback play. I don't care what all the haters say Stafford, uh, you know, the Stafford hall of fame campaign here, but like the 49ers have this incredible roster that is going to be really good. No matter what happens, even at the quarterback position, which is so rare in the NFL. I don't know, man, eight and a half to one to win a division for a team that was won the Super Bowl two years ago. Like I'm, I'm intrigued. Maybe it's my blinders for Matthew Stafford. I don't know where, so where is Stafford? Where are we at with Stafford in terms of, like, you know, health. I mean, you said he's the healthiest he's felt coming into the year. Are you buying into that? And do you think what they've done in terms of the, you know, retooling the offensive line? And, you know, I, I think back to the Bengals and, and when they let Andrew Whitworth walk in free agency and Andy Dalton went from like 2015, like sneaky MVP candidate to just like off a cliff. That, that scares me. But do you think they've done enough where Stafford can be healthy for a whole season? So I'm going to be the like, the caveat person here sure. um, and say like, we haven't watched any real football yet. Right. Um, the offensive line looks great in theory and on paper in terms of the improvements that they've made. Alark Jackson is uh, a name to watch. I think in terms of maybe someone emerging as a left tackle candidate, they still have not decided on 
who that player is going to be. Jonah <laughs> Boom's coming off the Achilles. Um, so he, so Alec Jackson's been taking the, the bulk load of those, of those reps. Um, and, and, you know, they look, they look like they can actually do some protecting and some body moving. Right. So that's good. Um, body we, we haven't seen any real football, right? So Matthew Stafford, again, he says he feels great. He seems, I mean, the energy's there. He's, he's again, he's throwing, it's a full workload. It's night and day from what it was last off season. Yeah. So all of that being said, we haven't watched any football yet. So I'm not ready to say like, it's going to be great. It's going to be fine because I went into 2022 thinking, they look great. It's going to be fine. And then, <laughs> the, you know what? Hit the fan in the most catastrophic way you yeah. could ever possibly have imagined. A historically high, like 72 games to injury among their offensive line, which is the most in NFL history. So it's like, you know, you never know, right? I'm not going to go either way here. But I do think that, yeah, keeping him healthy and like sustaining health, even, even though he's going to tell you always that he feels good, sometimes it's very obvious when he doesn't feel good. So far, we haven't had any of those. Oh, he obviously doesn't feel good moments. His arm could be dangling off. He'd be like, "Yeah, yeah I feel yeah. great. I'm 100." percent Like <laughs> yeah, he's like, like low key, like the toughest dude. Like, no, people don't people don't know how tough Stafford is. Yeah, like last year, spinal cord contusion. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah, what? It's like, I'm good. It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that means a bruise on your vertebrae, yeah, on your right. back, and you're still out there. It's crazy. Yeah. So that's the thing is the caveat. It's like, we don't know what we don't know yet, but as of now, things look fine. Things look like, like genuinely, I do believe him when he says he feels good as of now. Um, it remains to be seen guys. I wish I had something more definitive, but my God, what happened last year was quite the lesson for, for a lot of us. I think it can only go up from there, Jordan. That's actually <laughs> yeah. going to wrap up our show. Thank you so much to Jordan Rodriguez for joining us. Make sure you check her out on the Play Callers Evolution of NFL's most popular offense via The, the Athletic. Uh, anywhere that you get your podcast, it drops on July 10th. And also stay tuned for more from our all, 32, all 32 series with Daily Drops in your podcast feed and on YouTube. And like, comment, and subscribe to this as well. Jordan, thank you again so much. Thanks, Thanks Jordan. Guys. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course, always. Wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.